Nelson in looking for Garza backs on and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Five Stripe Final, the world's only highly distributed audio discussion discussing all things Atlanta United. And as you guys might know, Atlanta United has a uh, uh, it's a decently big matchup coming up this weekend, Sunday, 1 o'clock. Um, I think it's... Uh, actually, I don't even know what network it's on. Uh, you'll, you'll find it. You'll find it. Um, anyway, uh, we have a great guest on today. It's Mark Fishkin. He is the creator, producer, uh, host of Seeing Red. Um, is, is that right? Is, is it Seeing Red podcast? Is that, is that the name? Yeah, I think Mark. that's a great way to describe it. All right. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, so we got him on. And Mark is more than just, you know, a, a, a podcaster. He's kind of like a MLS fan legend is how I would call him. I, I, I've heard Mark interviewed on all kinds of shows from like the biggest MLS uh, media people around. Um, so I almost I, I feel privileged to talk to you tonight, Mark. Th- thanks for joining us. That's very kind. Thank you. It's um, it's great to be here, and I love talking to Atlanta fans. <laughs> really, I do because everything's <laughs> so wonderful and new to you. It's like you're just figuring all this out for the first time, and I've been at this for 23 years. So it's, uh, it's <laughs> right. Fun. Um. Yeah. So I mean, just talk a little bit about what you've been doing in this in this space, as as we'll call it. Um. Obviously, but you've been doing the podcast, but you were in you were. I mean, you've been involved before 2010 doing media and content type of stuff, weren't you? Yeah. So um, I way back in the day, really when soccer blogging and podcasting started, I I was involved. I had a blog of my own. Uh, I started appearing as uh, as the Red Bulls guest on a few very old shows. Uh, one that was called Around the League, another one was called uh, was called Winning Ugly, and uh, eventually, when Red Bull Arena opened in 2010, I decided that it was time for a Red Bulls focused podcast. Unlike you guys down there in Atlanta, uh, there is almost no mainstream media coverage of the Red Bulls. We simply have too many other pro teams in the market, and mm-hmm. certainly over the time that MLS has been uh, around. The mainstream sports media has not grown; it's shrunk. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the, the Red Bulls are the eleventh pro team in the market. And we created our podcast way back in 2010, and 360 episodes ago, because our fans, our rabid fans, needed something to hold them over in between the games. And so, over over nine and a half years, almost ten full, uh, almost ten years. We've talked to coaches and executives and media folks and players um, from the Red Bulls and all around the league, and uh, it's been a ton of fun. Yeah, that's interesting. I, uh, you know, I hadn't even considered the fact that you know New York kind of has like two of everything, right? Two of every, every sport, uh, it seems. So, um, yeah, I hadn't even really considered that. You know, you guys would kind of be shoved out to the sides of that kind of. Uh, media space a little bit that's interesting but um let's get right into the game because we're not we're not, not gonna have a ton of time to talk tonight so let's just get right into it but first of all is this the biggest game in mls history because i mean mls started last year uh for all intents and purposes um God so it's got to be the biggest game in mls history right uh i think this is here, here's how i'll frame it this is the <laughs> biggest regular season game from the red bulls since they clinched the shield in 2015 
Uh, it, it's almost two full years later. This is a game that will, by and large, decide, uh, may decide who wins the Shield this year. Uh, it may help decide who gets that fourth CCL spot. Uh, so this this is a really big match. You know, throw in the notion that both teams are playing very well. Atlanta is obviously having a dream season, but they've never beaten the Red Bulls in three tries, and Joseph Martinez has yet to score against them. So obviously we can't talk about the match without considering that Bradley Wright Phillips won't be playing. Um, but nevertheless, this should be a really uh, a big, important late season match that the two teams uh, that that should finish first and second in the league this year, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I hadn't even thought about that today until I was uh, I, I was reporting for MLS soccer earlier today, and that was one of the briefs I had was that, you know, Atlanta hasn't beaten New York Rebels, and I hadn't even thought about that. It's got to be, you know, I haven't done the research on it, but it's got to be one of the few teams that Atlanta hasn't beaten um, yet, you know, because they, I mean, they've just had so many wins. But um, just looking at the match, I mean, obviously, you you mentioned it, Bradley Wright Phillips, him him missing this game is going to be big. Um, do you think that that affects the way that Chris Armas is going to approach this game at all? Do you think that it, it might influence his tactical decisions in this one? Well, he obviously has to find someone to play up top and play in that role. And, and who is going to be in that role is going to be really, really important. But I don't necessarily think that Armis is going to completely change the way he plays. I mean, th- this is a playoff preview, right? This is a preview of the Eastern Conference Final if you believe that both teams have the talent, energy, and drive to get there. So this might be a situation where Armis doesn't hold all of his uh, – doesn't show all of his cards – because he wants to be able to throw an interesting wrinkle in when when it really, really counts. And not saying that it doesn't count on Sunday. It does. But both these teams are going to the playoffs. Um, both these teams should be the one and two seeds in the East. And so I think while he certainly wants to win the game, I don't think he's going to show all of his cards. So, so, so that's interesting. And um, it's something that I've heard mentioned. I think the Extra Time Radio guys were talking about um, the supporter shield race, and they were saying first, not not that it doesn't matter or or questioning if it matters, but saying that you know, are New York Red Bulls willing to kind of forego or or not go as aggressively after the supporter shield in order to be, kind of better prepare themselves for an MLS Cup run, which obviously New York has won supporter shield in recent times, but has not you know doesn't have that MLS Cup. Um, is that something that you would be fine as a fan, you know, seeing that would you would you rather have your team primed and kind of just, you know, at this point with this deficit that you have in the standings kind of foregoing that supporter shield dream? I don't know how to quote Herm Edwards. You, you don't go out and try to win the game. I mean, it's a game. It's a home game. A couple of times that we've seen Chris Armis during times that the Red Bulls have been. Um, completely crushed by the schedule. They just came off of a run before the international break of five matches in 15 days. And so the team definitely rotated the lineup through the, the games towards the end of that schedule. And that's when New York took their first loss uh, by more than one goal in almost an entire year, losing at, at Montreal 3-0, but, which was the fifth game in two weeks. And you just kind of throw your hands up and say, all right, this didn't happen today. It'll be fine. However, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's a decent question. I, once again, I don't know how you don't go and try to win the game. 
New York has a chance to finish with the best home record in the league, the most home wins in the league uh, for the season. And they do want to send a little bit of a message. But again, I, I don't really know what not going all out is. I mean, perhaps uh, if you don't bring uh, your A squad out to San Jose for next week, I think until until the buy is sewn up for New York, they're going to be going as hard as they possibly can. I, I don't really believe that some, given all the playoff misery that New York's had, that you act differently during the regular season for the playoffs. I, I, I don't understand what that means. Right, right. And, and you know, it's kind of interesting that, that you phrase it that way because there's a similar dilemma going on with Atlanta in this game where Tata Martino talked after the, uh, the Real Salt Lake win on Saturday saying that basically admitting for the first time that I've ever heard him speak saying that uh, a draw is fine. A draw is a good result for us in this game. Normally he's one of those coaches, you know, which is a very much coach speak saying, you know, we always go out to win. We always go for the three points. Um, but he, I was actually kind of surprised to hear him say, uh, you know, a point is fine because specifically because, and it, and it kind of, it's tough to reconcile the fact that he says that. And then he also says, you know, Atlanta United plays its best when it's playing for three points, you know? So I don't know how that exactly works out. Um, and I talked to some of the players today and they also said the same thing. They said, you know, we're going to go to try to score goals, but we also know that a draw is good enough. So um, I don't know. I think it'll just be interesting to see how that all shakes out tactically. Um, so it should be an interesting game. I did want to kind of, you know, for the sake of our fans, our listeners who I'm, I know we have listeners who have been following MLS for a long, long time. Um, well before Atlanta United came, came to the fore. Um, but we also have some new, you know, some, some younger soccer fans. And I think that the story of New York Red Bulls is really interesting, um, on a couple fronts. And I think on a couple fronts, it relates, they relate, um, quite closely to what Atlanta United is going through right now. One on the coaching front um, and one on the youth academy front. So I want to talk about the coaches first. Obviously uh, what's been in the news lately is that Tata Martino, you know, his future is up in the air, um, whether he stays or whether he goes to take another position. Obviously Red Bulls have been through this this year with Jesse Marsh. Um, I just wanted to kind of ask your perspective, um, on what what that the, what that's been like for the fan base, and you know, it's a little different because Tata has you know this big resume, and so he's not like a young, promising American coach who you kind of see going for these opportunities that will benefit him and maybe the national team or you know American soccer in general down the line. But what's that like as a fan to kind because of, we have not been through this before, kind of dealing with a coach leaving. Um, people obviously feel very attached. What what was that feeling like for Red Bulls fans seeing Marsh, who had so much success, um, even if it was for just a short while in New York, um, you know, have to leave the team this year? Well, first of all, Jesse Marsh is the winningest coach in Red Bulls history, and he was the only man, he today is the only man who has started a fourth season with the team. Mm. Uh, New York is constantly addicted to reinvention. And so the idea that Jesse would actually be here this year, I think, is really interesting. Um, I, I think a lot of fans, uh, we, we had plenty of fans that wrote us at Seeing Red and basically said, what am I even rooting for? When when head coach, the guy that has brought the team as much success as, as just about anyone else, decides in the middle of the year, yeah, I'm going somewhere else. Um, and I don't think that necessarily that's an indictment of Chris Armas. I think it's 
you know, here is this guy that is being spoken about as a potential U.S. men's national team manager down the road that is doing what very few, if, if any, coaches have done, which is, yeah, I'm, I'm all in for Europe. And I'm going to try and take, you know, take my family in the middle of the, the year and try to make the best of it. And I, I think a lot of Red Bull fans uh, felt hard done. And it was a, certainly, I, I think, a bit of a slap in the face to you know the hardcore fans. And yes, Chris has been there as long as Jesse has. And yes, people respect Chris, but it's, it's, you know, it's not the same. And um, that's one of the challenges of dealing in a world where your club is part of a larger ownership group that has other ambitions elsewhere. And, you know, you can say that that New York doesn't have the academy and doesn't have the, the beautiful, shiny stadium and doesn't have a lot of things if it wasn't for Red Bull GmbH. But at the same time, this is the flip side of that that equation, which is someone has an opportunity to move to a different uh, home office and they do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering also if has there been like a, a a shift in confidence with the fans and the team since Chris Armas has taken over? Because I can imagine there might be when you have a guy like Jesse Marsh, who's, as you've said, he's the winningest coach in in the club history. And he's kind of built himself a status, right, of being one of not just, you know, a, a, a kind of a, a club icon, but also as this upcoming American young um, innovative coach. And now it's and that's not to say that Chris Armas isn't right, but it's just that he doesn't have that same uh, clout kind of around him as Jesse Marsh did. And it's kind of like a, a soft blanket for a fan, for a fan to kind of be able to wrap its, wrap themselves up in when, you know, if, ever, if anything else is going wrong, at least, you know, you have this manager who, uh, you know, who you can kind of, you know, rely on, I, I guess, to, to some point. Has, has there been any, yeah, any, I, any downturn or I don't even mean to make it sound like this terrible downturn, but have the, has there, has it diminished at all the confidence of, of the fans? I don't think it has anything to do with the lack of stature with Armas, because again, he's been here as long as Marsh has been here and he's respected by the players. But I think what they've seen with uh, Armas on the field bears it out. Um, earlier this week, I actually tweeted. So here was their record on their March this year, 10, four and two. That's two points a game. They were scoring 2.13 goals a game and allowing one goal per game. And they had a plus 18 goal differential. Here's what we've seen under Armas. They're 8-3-3, three, and three, which is good enough for 1.93 points per game, which is pretty good. Very good. But they're only scoring one and a half goals a game. So that's 0.63 goals fewer per game. Mm. And they're giving up 1.14 per game. And his goal differential is plus five. So what you're seeing, Joe, is that you've got games that are tighter, that are more uncomfortable, games that appear to be um, turning on singular opportunities. And listen, you, you, you can't play Portland in week one and you can't play Minnesota every week and you can't drop a 4-1 on uh, you can't you can't beat City four nil every week, and early in the first half of the season, the Red Bulls were crushing people, just just in a similar way that Atlanta's been doing all year long, frankly. Mm-hmm. But 
Yeah. Under Armis, because he's taking a slightly different tack, it's just tighter. Everything is tighter. It's a lot more tense. Um, I mean, I think Atlanta fans, if the game's tied with 20 minutes to play, I think fans are m- maybe getting their noses out of joint. Oh, um, definitely. <laughs> right. It, it's almost like Yankee fans who, in the fifth inning, if they're not winning, you know, people are committing Harry Carey, right? So what what is possibly going wrong? I'm a Met fan, by the way. So um, <laughs> needless to say, it's become a lot less um, automatic in a way, if that's the mm-hmm. word. And I think that's challenging for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha. Well, um, another thing that's been automatic with Red Bulls uh, is kind of the way they've been able to cultivate uh, talent from its youth academy. And I know yep. that that's something that Atlanta has kind of, that's been one of the tenets of the club um, in terms of the foundation they're trying to establish going forward to make them sustainable um, and, you know, contribute to the community and do all kinds of things. Right. Um, so there, but, but again, similar to seeing a coach leave, it, it's gotta be uh, an interesting experience kind of watching a player come through the ranks um, come through as a kid, turn himself into a serviceable, if not, you know, very, very good MLS player, professional MLS player, and then to see that player leave um, eventually. And obviously the club gets some sort of return on monetary return on it. Um, but still, I, I, you know, there's an emotional ta- attachment there. Um, and that's something that Atlanta United, you know, uh, in, in a lot of these things where we've kind of experienced just the beginning part of it, which is the good part <laughs> or the best part is, which is, you know, seeing the players go through or seeing that, you know, these coaches do well, but we haven't really had to deal with the departures yet so much. Um, so I just want to, again, get just get kind of get your experience on what that's been like, especially, you know, like right now, obviously, Tyler Adams is um, kind of like he's exceeding at this level. He's like the, the epitome of what we're talking about, right? Just a, a, a fresh young bright eyed kid who's now, you know, one of the best players in the, in the American talent pool. Um, and yet I think, you know, it wouldn't be a shock to you to see him go after this season. Um, in fact, I, I think it's pretty much expected at this point. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. What's, yeah. what's that like? It, it, listen, this is how soccer works all over the world, right? Um, this is unless you're one of the big four leagues and unless you're one of the big 12 or 16 teams in those leagues, this is how soccer works everywhere else in the world. You develop players, you sell them, you take the money, you reinvest it back in the academy, uh, lather, rinse, repeat. This is what it's supposed to be. So I know there are people that uh, will say, hard, longtime Red Bull fans that will say, I, I just want to see Tyler spend his entire career wearing a New York Red Bull shirt. It's not realistic. It, it, we want the U.S. men's national team to not only get back to the World Cup, but to win it someday. And for that to happen, young, talented, homegrowns have to go across and play in the most uh, in, in, the, in the toughest crucible that they can so that when it's time for hardcore international competition, they can excel. And, it, and as much as we'd love to say that it's here, it's not. And so, you know, in, in two and a half decades more, maybe MLS will be clearly one of the best leagues in the world, but it's not the case now and they have to go. And that's what it is. Yeah, I know it'll be interesting for <laughs> to see kind of when that reckoning happens in Atlanta, because I know that there's and it's not even just the players that they've come through the youth academy, but just, you know, some of these players that have just been here since the beginning of the club. They just feel like those kinds of players, you know, um, like a Julian Gressel type 
uh, who was, you know, I mean, he's granted he's not played for any other uh, professional team or, or MLS team at least. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be interesting for fans, you know, because he said he just came out in the uh, in the Athletic this week and mentioned that you know he wants to play in Europe someday. So that'll be very interesting. But um, we're gonna get out of here before we do. I just want to ask you a question: How bad of fans are we for for podcasting right now during the U.S. Open Cup final? Um, are we like being really bad people right now? No, I mean, I think if either of our teams were playing, that's that would obviously I don't think we would be talking. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not watching. I, I as a Rebel fan, I'm I'm rooting for Houston. I don't particularly want uh, the Union to win a trophy. Um, uh, and, and Houston's up to nothing as we record at halftime. So, how are they really? Okay, I haven't yeah, even been so, paying attention. So, uh, yeah, that's a <laughs> that, that, so, that shows about how much I'm into it. I, I was thinking about Atlanta if they were still in it, which I mean, kind of thank God they're not because the schedule would just be a a real mess right now. But, um, yep. hey, Mark, I know you got to get out of here. So, thank you so much for coming on. I thought th- this was great. Um, everybody, please go follow Mark. Uh, it's at Mark Fishkin, F I S H K I N, is how you spell the last name. That is correct. Follow us at Five Stripe Final, and you can follow me at J Patrick 200. Um, and I think that's it. So we can get out of here. And I guess uh, best of luck, worst of luck to you this weekend. But, you know, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. It certainly will. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. And let's talk again in the Eastern Finals. All right. That sounds good. That sounds like a plan. Let's do that.